Hey, it's Scott Petrak with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns open the preseason Friday night in Jacksonville and plan to start Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Now they just have to hope he doesn't get hit with an indefinite suspension that keeps him off the field. Here to discuss all things Browns is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. Hey, Chad, how are you, bud? Scott, I'm good. Ready for some football, finally. I mean, it, we might not have any resolution over Watson, but it, at least we know we're going to see some football, even though it's uh, preseason football. But uh, I, I think everyone's ready to roll. And uh, what do you feel like? What's the vibe around the team and, and the fans at camp? Uh, you know, are they ready to get going against another team? Yeah, I mean, the players always are. You know, I'm struggling to kind of put my finger on how much this – Deshaun Watson uncertainty is or isn't affecting the team. You know, you talk to Kevin Stefanski and he keeps a stiff, up, stiff upper lip and you talk to some of the key members of the team and they're saying all the right things and the focus is on practice. Uh, but I think it's just human for it to be a cloud over everything. And I'm not saying it shows up during a given play or even a given practice, uh, but I do think uh, it just kind of, follows everything that the organization is doing. So having said that, I, I do think they'll be able to put it out of their heads for Friday night, right, to go down to Jacksonville. I know it's, you know, even though the games are, you know, can be boring or can be uneventful, and the starters will probably only play a couple of series, um, it is a chance for them to play. And it is a chance to see Deshaun Watson, which, you know, I'm sure it's like anything with Watson. It's met with, you know, mixed emotions from, some of the fans, I'm sure a good chunk of the fan base is really excited to see him in a Browns jersey. And I think his teammates probably are. I mean, they see him every day in practice, but, you know, preseason is different. Um, but even the excitement is offset by the realization that, you know, this could be the last time that Browns fans see him for all of 2022. You know, I mean, he might be indefinitely suspended. Um, and that includes all of this season. So, you know, I, that part of that's part of the reason the Browns want to play him. We can talk about whether or not they should even be playing him if he's not going to, you know, be available until next year or late, late this year. Um, but, I, you know, you just can't get – I just can't get away from that being the backdrop. Yeah, no doubt. Let me ask you this. How do you think he's going to perform? I mean, it's been a while since we've seen him. We mentioned the days this morning on the uh, – on the show, I think it was 580 days. I can't remember exactly, but I know, right? It was the last week of the 2020 season. I mean, yeah. you know, that, that's a long time. And and also mentally, how is all of this affecting him? I mean, he's only human, right? So you got to right. figure, you know, that it, it won't be normal. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it was January 3rd, 2021. was the last time he played in a game. You know, I think physically he'll be fine. You know, I mean, he's out there every day at practice, and it's not the same as games, but, you know, he's now had the entire offseason program and two weeks of training camp where I think I think he'll be fine physically. Now, not everything's been perfect at training camp. You know, there's some interceptions. There's some Mr. O's. That happens to everybody. My guess is he's not as sharp as he'd like to be, and that part of that comes from playing in games and, you know, getting hit, right? The guys have been hit in a long time because quarterbacks don't get hit in practice or training camp. Um, you know, and you feel the live rush is different than when Miles Garrett pulls up, you know, because that's what they do in training camp. So, uh, you know, there'll, there'll probably be a, an adjustment there. Um, 
mentally it's tougher for me to figure out, Chud. And part of that is because, you know, I haven't been around him much, right? I've talked to him twice in big group interviews, and he hasn't talked to us since June 14th. And much of the discussion when we have talked to him those two times is all about, uh, you know, his legal situation. So I, I don't know him well enough, not nearly well enough to say, yeah, he's the kind of guy that compartmentalizes this kind of thing. And I don't know, you know, this kind of thing is probably a terrible phrase. Um, if he can compartmentalize something as serious as this and something that, you know, affects him like this does and might even cost him all of this season. You know, when you ask Coach Kevin Stefanski about it or his teammates, they say the focus is good and he's the first one in, last one out, you know, and he's done a good job putting that aside when he when he's in the building. But I do think that the game in Jacksonville Friday night will be a good barometer for that and just see how quickly he's able to think. You know, he probably gets booed in Jacksonville, not that the crowd will be big, but, you know, I, I would expect there to, there to be boos. Maybe there's even signs. You know, I think that's something for sure if he plays or when he plays in Pittsburgh or Baltimore or Cincinnati, you'll see that kind of thing. Um, so it, it is interesting to see how he will handle everything. Um, you know, I'm sure I would think Kevin Stefanski would have the top first five or ten plays scripted and maybe he's able to go down and move the ball and um, looks like they want him to look. But it will be interesting to watch. And I, and I do think I've gone back and forth on this. I do think it's – I guess it is necessary that the Browns play him. I do think it's necessary that the Browns play him. I don't think there's any doubt about that, especially given the fact that maybe he won't be able to play again um, until next year. I do question why they're giving him and continue to giving him all the – almost all the first-team reps in practice when – you know, the odds are like 99.5% that Jacoby Brissett's going to be the starter week one. Um, and probably for the foreseeable future, unless they make a big move at, at quarterback. So that's a great point. Why you know, are they doing that? Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's twofold, Chad. I think number one is they want to establish Deshaun Watson as their franchise quarterback. And the way you do that is by giving him the first team reps. And it might, it may hurt you in the short term, right? Because Jacoby Brissett is not getting all those reps in order to get to week one. But the Browns say, okay, he's still getting a bunch of reps with the twos. And at some point they'll make the switch. And it might be as soon as Sunday after this preseason opener, where all of a sudden it's Brissett's team, right? And now the focus is getting him ready for the start of the season. But so I think they wanted to establish Watson as, hey, he's going to be the guy long-term. Let's have his first training camp and his first offseason. He's going to be the guy. So I think that's part of it. And I think the other part is didn't play at all last year. New system, new teammates. He needs to get ready. And with the thought that he could play this season, right? And, you know, it was only, whatever, two weeks ago less than that Sue Robinson, Sue Robinson said a six-game suspension, right? So if he were to come back week seven, which seems less and less likely uh, given the appeal, um, then you have to get him ready to play. And that means getting him a bunch of snaps with new teammates, new system. So I, I think those are both the reasons to play him as much as they have and or to give him as many first-team reps as he's gotten. But, and Kevin Stefanski says he will make that switch, and, and I think that switch has to come sooner or later. And I'm saying that expecting the suspension to be, you know, 12 games or 17 games, right? If it's only eight, 
then you're getting back to kind of those parallel tracks where you got to get both guys ready. Um, but, you know, assuming it's going to be a really lengthy suspension, then I, I think starting Sunday, you make the switch to Jacoby Brissett, and that includes the joint practices, you know, next Thursday and Friday against the Eagles, where Brissett will be with the first team. It'll Those are intense practices uh, where, you know, I think those first team reps count even more. How has Brissett looked to you so far in camp? Um, not great. I, I did think he might have had his best practice all these days run together. Tuesday, um, the last time we were out in Berea. Um, I thought that might have been his best practice. He made some really nice throws. I thought he was decisive in the red zone. Had a couple back-to-back touchdown throws. Um, threw a real nice seam or a nice fade route down the sideline for a long completion. And Watson had a similar throw. Um, I think Watson's was to David Njoku and Brissett's was to Javon Wims. Um, you know, he, he hasn't looked where you say, okay, this guy's going to go win 12 games, right? I mean, and I don't think anybody should have those expectations. And nothing I've seen in camp says, yes, now I think he's, you know, oh, my gosh, this guy's way better than I thought he was. Uh, but, you know, you look at his track record, and he doesn't throw interceptions, and he makes good decisions with the ball. And that's what Kevin Stefanski wants out of a quarterback. And you can, if you can do that and you can run the ball, you know, run the crap out of the ball and play stifling defense, it gives you a chance, a chance to win a lot of games or it puts you in, it keeps you in a lot of games. It gives you a chance to win those games. So I, I think that's what the Browns will be looking for with Brissett. Now there's still going to come, you know, games where you got to go win in the fourth quarter. And we saw that. You know, that might have been Baker Mayfield's biggest downfall, that he was 0 for 5 with the chance to win games late last year. So, you know, Brissett's going to have to do that if the Browns are going to surprise me and probably surprise a lot of people by going to the playoffs if Jacoby Brissett's the starter all season. Um, and, you know, if Deshaun Watson's suspended for the whole season, then I think the Browns make some kind of move. I think they should go after Jimmy Garoppolo, and then, you know, Jacoby Brissett probably doesn't start all season long. Um, but... Getting back to it, you know, I think he's been fine for a backup quarterback, but he's certainly not blown me away. How have the guys responded to him so far? I mean, because does it seem like a big, not a big, is there a drop-off or do you notice anything different with the when the quarterbacks, the two different guys are in there? Yeah, no, you don't. I mean, I think you do from a talent perspective, right? I mean, Deshaun Watson's a top whatever quarterback, and I keep saying that. Um, whatever it's, you know, five, eight, ten, whatever it is. Jacoby Brissett's probably a top five, eight backup in this league, but yeah, it's a big drop off, right? You go from, you know, eight to 40. Um, but from a, how the operation runs, how teammates relate to him, I don't think there's a big drop off. And the, I guess a silver lining, if you want to put it that way, everyone knew when Deshaun Watson got traded here that he was likely going to miss time. So therefore, Jacoby Reset walks in, and the Browns got him for this reason because there's a high trust level, and his teammates look at him like, "Okay, this guy's going to be the guy." It's not like, "Oh, we don't need to worry." You know, this guy's a backup. We're not interested in what he's got to do, or we'll deal with that if and when he has to play. There was a harsh reality that this guy's going to play, and he's probably going to play week one. So I think that helps your teammates look at you in a certain way. Plus, he carries himself like a leader and like a starter. And he has enough starts under his belt that there's 
some, you know, cachet that goes with Jacoby Brissett. Um, you know, I, I think his resume is strong enough that the teammates look at him and go, okay, you know, this guy's done it before. So I, I don't think there's a drop-off, and I think from a personality perspective, and we've talked to plenty of guys about this, plenty of his teammates about this, um, he carries himself like a starter, and that goes a long way. So I, I think from that perspective, he's got what you need. He just doesn't have the, you know, athleticism of Deshaun Watson. He doesn't have the playmaking ability of Deshaun Watson. And I don't think he has the explosive plays in the pass or the run that Deshaun Watson has shown throughout his career. That's just not who Jacoby Brissett is, either from a skill set level and a probably thinking level, right? He he manages the game, and maybe he does that because he doesn't have those physical traits, or maybe he does that because, you know, when you're a backup, and I talked to Josh Rosen about this a little bit, when you're a backup, the coaches really just want you to make good decisions, right? They don't want you to kind of blow up their game plan by taking risks. And so maybe Brissett, because he's largely been a backup, and when he started, a couple times he started, he's been forced into that through injury or through Andrew Luck's retirement. If you have that, okay, I got to be really careful with the ball mindset. Um, it's different than if you're kind of a freewheeling starter that is trying to put up big numbers or expected to put, put up big numbers, if that makes sense. Sure. All right, I want to, before the end of this, I want to go back to preview the game and, and talk about the game one last time. But let's yeah. save that for the end, let people hold off for that. Let's just talk about this past week in camp since we spoke the last time and hit on uh, uh, two very big things. Uh, before we get yeah. to those two very big things, though, the depth chart came out, right? Yeah. Any, anything you want to talk about there? Any surprises? I mean, sometimes, you know, I've heard that, you know, it's just PR guys that put out those depth right. charts, you know, and, you know, you don't really look into it. Is there anything that fans should know had they have they not looked at that yet? You know, not really, Chud. I, I didn't think anything jumped out at me greatly. You know, they list Johnny Stanton the fourth as a tight end. Um, and he's more of a fullback, and it makes me wonder if they're gonna have a fullback this year because you know they're kind of they're kind of thin at tight end. And so maybe Stanton makes the roster as a hybrid and then when Stefanski wants to go with a true fullback, you know, five times a game, he can do that. And when he doesn't want to do that, he can flex Stanton out to a tight end. But I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, there was nobody behind Jakeem Grant Sr. on the, and we'll talk about him, but there's nobody behind him on the depth chart. So now the Browns have to figure out who's going to be the kick returner and punt returner. And that's a big question mark when they thought they had had a huge upgrade in Jakeem Grant Sr. Um, and then, you know, they, I, th I thought it was interesting that the only shared starter role went at middle linebacker to Jacob Phillips and Anthony Walker Jr. And the coaches are portraying it as a competition. Obviously, that's how the depth chart is. I think part of that is because Anthony Walker is such a team leader that nobody wants to just take that job away from him before. He's lost it. Um, he was hurt to start camp. He had a groin injury, so Jacob Phillips got all the first-team reps. Anthony Walker finally got some first-team reps Tuesday. Um, but, you know, he's on a one-year contract, the second straight one-year contract. Jacob Phillips, the Browns drafted in the third round in 2020, 
Like, it feels like they want him to be the guy. And if it, and he's faster than Walker. Not to Walker's slow, because Walker is fast. But uh, Phillips is faster. Uh, and I think they want Phillips to play a bunch. But they're reluctant to just hand him the job, probably for multiple reasons, one of which is they really respect Anthony Walker. So I, I thought that was worth noting, just that um, they decide to kind of, you know, split the baby a little bit, even though Phillips – what through injury or not, he's gotten almost all the first team reps. All right, the two big stories I want to hit now, and you just touched on one there. Uh, we're going to go backwards on a timeline, but Jakeem Grant, Achilles injury, out for the year. Big loss for this team, isn't it? I mean, that he was having a great camp. He was brought in with huge expectations that you had already mentioned. So, you know, you always want to get through camp without suffering injuries like these. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. This is a big one, right? It's huge. And, I, okay, I mean, huge is a word I fall back on. But um, it's 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 really significant, Chud. And, you know, part of me says, oh, how big a deal can the returner be, right? Um, but I think it's a big deal. I, I do. And a, a, a lot of the reason I think that is because we've seen the return game the last few years not have any explosion to it and that limits you as a team right you don't have great field position there's no there's no kind of hope when there's a kickoff or a punt return that yeah maybe we get an easy touchdown right maybe we get great field position and the offense doesn't have to go 70 yards that like when I'm watching these games that's like never in my head because the Browns just haven't done it you know, whether it's Donovan Peoples-Jones or Demetri Felton or Anthony Schwartz in limited action last year or Dearness Johnson or whoever it's been, right? They just haven't had that threat back there. And that's what Jakeem Grant was supposed to change because Jakeem Grant has six career return touchdowns. He was a pro bowler last year. And all of a sudden, the Bonds are going back to just guys, right? Just guys returning it where you hope they don't turn it over, right? That becomes the number one goal is, all right, catch it and don't fumble. And that's – it's a whole different mindset. And I'm sure Mike Prefer, the special teams coordinator, is devastated because it happens Tuesday, right? The injury happens Tuesday. And Sunday, Grant talked and Prefer talked and just how excited they were to have him and to change – just change the scope of that return game. So I think it's huge, and I think the other level of that is – or the other layer of that, is if the Browns don't have Deshaun Watson, they're going to have to do, they're going to have to win on the margins. And that includes dominating special teams. And it's really hard to dominate special teams if you don't have a big-time kick returner. And, you know, I just don't see, you know, we've seen those guys. We've seen Felton. We've seen Donald Peoples-Jones, right? I mean, maybe, you know, undrafted rookie Mike Harley Jr. comes out of nowhere. Right, but you know, maybe Anthony Schwartz finds it because he's got that elite speed. But I've seen nothing to make me believe that anybody else they have on the roster is going to come close to what my expectations were for Grant. Sure, no doubt. And uh, he plays he has... receiver. And Judge, you know, we've talked about the question marks at receiver. Right. Grant had, Grant had looked good in at receiver. He gives you an option out of the slot, and now. I think that's just one more question about the depth at such a key position because I really do think he was going to have some role, and now 
the Browns are scrambling, and maybe they have to keep one more receiver on that 53-man roster and steal from somewhere else because Grant would have filled both – he would have filled three roles, and now I would say those three roles are kind of up for grabs. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, before I get to the other big story, real quick, Jedrick Wills talked this week, right? And he talked about, speaking of injuries, his injury last year and, and how that affected him. You know, any insight on that? Yeah, you know, I talked to him right at the end of minicamp, and I don't know if we talked about it on this podcast or not, but I really liked where he was from a mindset perspective. Um, he knows it's a huge year for him, year three. Bill Callahan, the line coach, told me that Jed needs to take a quantum leap in year three. So there's some pressure there. Uh, but, you know, and you still need to see it on the field, and he still has his issues with Miles Garrett in training camp. But everybody would have their issues with Miles Garrett, so I don't know if that's a fair gauge or not. Um, but, you know, he showed some toughness last year by playing through that injury. He said he was at 50% early on before he sat it out a couple games and it was able to heal a little bit, that ankle injury. So he needs to be at a high level for this team and this line to be where we think it can be, right? We talk about that offensive line being such a strength. Well, he needs to be – he needs to play really well for that line to be where where we think he can be because the left tackle is such a pivotal spot. So um, when we talk about key players this year, he is high on that list. Uh, I, I like what I've heard and seen from him, but, you know, he's got to stay healthy, and then he's got to show um, better play and maybe a little better, you know, I don't know if motivation is the right word, but you need to really see it from him. Um, finish plays. You know, he told me that last year, because I asked him, I said, it didn't feel like you finished plays. You block a guy for X number of seconds and then kind of be done. And he said a lot of that was because he didn't want to get hurt because he already had the ankle and he didn't want to get rolled into again because, you know, it it limits his play so much when he gets hurt that he was really conscious of bodies around his feet. So maybe he'll just be, you know, maybe he'll just have a much better mindset if he's healthy this year. And he says he is healthy. Um, and maybe that'll make all the difference. All right. Now I want to talk about Kareem Hunt. And, you know, I just hate seeing stuff like this because we, you know, again, we always talk about the drama and things in Berea. And, and it's just, you know, obviously we have enough to deal with there on, on uh, Deshaun Watson's situation. Yeah. I think my situation with Kareem Hunt, and uh, before I give my opinion, just explain to anyone who might not know exactly uh, what happened in that two-day period. Period, right? He had to kind of he had to sit in, I guess is what they're calling it, right? Yeah, hold in, sit in, some kind oh, of yeah. silent protest. Yeah. yeah. He um yeah, there were two days at the end of last week, I want to say Friday and Saturday, where he went through individual drills. And you know, Chud is part of the the writers, we check off or the media, we check off everybody who's at practice, right? Just so you know there's not somebody missing and there's 90 bodies, so you know it takes a while you go through everybody. But you do that when it's stretching and individual drills. So, because that's when it's easier to spot everybody. They're broken off in their own position. Um, so, Kareem Hunt's there. We check him off. And then, you know, you're watching team drills. And, you know, sometimes guys don't, you know, do a drill or they only get a couple of reps or you know, there's a reason the guy's not practicing in team drills. Well, anyway, Kareem Hunt doesn't practice in team drills Friday and Saturday. Then it comes out that he's doing that on purpose, that he is sitting out himself. And it's not, there's not any reason. He's doing it because he wants a new contract. I mean, that is the reason. It's not an injury related or 
team. It's him saying, I'm not going to go through these team drills because I want a contract extension. Then he asked for a trade. The Browns say no. And Kevin Stefanski says, you either practice the whole practice or you don't practice. So Hunt was back out there Sunday. And he was back out there Tuesday going through the entire practice. His, I don't think his trade request has gone away. Um, I don't see any sign from the Browns that they're going to honor it. You know, maybe somebody blows their doors off with a trade offer. Andrew Barry would change his mind. Um, but now the thought is that they want Kareem Hunt and he doesn't have much leverage and he's under contract. So he's got to practice and he's got to play. And if you don't do that, then you get fined and, you know, there's all the repercussions. So it'll be interesting to see how Hunt handles this because I, I think, and I want to hear what you have to say, Chad. I think at his core, he plays hard. He plays with reckless abandon. He grew up here. He wants to win games for this team. He wants his family and friends to see a Super Bowl. Like, he's talked about it a million times. Um, so I, I think when push comes to shove and you get to week one or even you get to Friday night in Jacksonville, he's going to be Kareem Hunt. That doesn't mean he doesn't want a contract. Doesn't mean he doesn't think the, he could find more opportunities, find more money somewhere else. Um I just don't think he has any leverage to force the Browns to do that. So I think he'll wind up kind of sucking it up and doing what he's always done. But it's something certainly to keep an eye on because I don't think the Browns are going to budge from a contract extension perspective. And I don't think they're going to budge from a trade perspective. So then it's up to Kareem Hunt to compartmentalize. And we'll see if he's able to do that. I think what bugs me about it is, and I'm a big Cream Hunt fan from the past, covered him high school football, Friday Night Fever on Channel 3, yeah. uh, one of the best high school running backs I've ever seen, uh, drafted him in fantasy football his first year with the Chiefs. You know, he was a sleeper, and it, and it came through. Uh, you know, I, I've always, you know, been a fan of his. Obviously, though, not a fan of his off-the-field issue sure, that he had. Sure. And I guess what bugs me is he does he has his off field incident right with, with yep. the woman, and then you see him in a police car and you know basically begging mm -hmm. for another chance, right? Isn't that yeah. accurate to say? Like he like yeah, didn't he got like caught, he was, yeah, he got caught with weed in the car, right? And he's, yeah, yeah. I, it just bothers me that he can get a second chance like he did, and then pull this stunt. And, and I guess, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say the Browns did him a favor or anything because obviously the Browns did what they did because they want to obviously – they're not just doing it to try to better him as a man. Obviously, they'll say that, but it's a business, right? The Browns want him to help their franchise, so I get that. But still, I mean, the Browns did give him another chance, and then it just – I don't understand. Like, it, it, am I wrong here? It doesn't it, – no. it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I think that's a completely valid point, Chud. I, I really do. Um, yeah, I, I think all those points, yeah, are good points. I would say what I think has changed is, okay, Kareem thinks he's been, you know, whatever, a, a good citizen, for lack of a better term, the last couple of years. Uh, so, okay, you know, I think he's put that behind him, even though it's not that long ago. Um, you know, it's 2019 when the Browns signed him. And I, I also think a factor is you, if you're Kareem or Kareem's agent, right, you can't take the agent out of the equation. And he could be getting bad advice or good advice, however you want to look at it. 
Um, right. You know, maybe it's not all Kareem's idea to not practice or not go through team drills. Um, but I, I think a factor is, well, geez, the Browns just paid Deshaun Watson $230 million. And he's got, you know, comparatively speaking, and I hate the comparisons, but if you're Kareem, you could be thinking, this guy's got way bigger issues than I have, right? And they're still going on. Mine was, you know, an isolated incident, even though it was two off-field altercations, one with the woman in the hotel that he shoved and pushed. Um, but look at Deshaun Watson. He's still in the middle of this, and the Browns committed to pay him $230 million. Therefore, my, you know, incident that I feel like is years away and I've turned over a new leaf, um, why should that keep me, keep me from getting paid by the same organization? And, you know, obviously quarterbacks and running backs are different. And I think that's the bottom line. It's not, I don't think it's a, you know, morality thing. I think quarterbacks get paid a bunch of money and the second running back on the team does not get paid a bunch of money. So, but I do think that those are factors in Hunt and or his agent saying, all right, now is, now is the time that we're going to try to make a stand. But I, I get everything you're saying, Chud, and I completely understand that fans feel that way too. Like, hey, this guy was given a second chance by this organization when he was down and out and didn't have a whole lot of teams calling him. Um, all of a sudden, he's going to, quote-unquote, hold out when he's still going to get paid $6 million this year. Um, I, I get that that would rub people the wrong way. I think you make some good points there. I, I didn't – I. I... I uh, I kind of thought about the fact that your first point with, you know, it's been a few years and, you know, I, I, I did kind of think of that, but you, that, that's a good point. And the, the Watson issue, I mean, yeah, that, you know, you make good points there. So I can, I can kind of tread back a little bit and, and see where Kareem's coming from. But now this is where he, what is his contract? What is it last year? Because they did give him another deal, right? After his original deal. Yeah, in, in 2020, they gave him a two-year extension, Yeah, ran through 2022, right? It was two okay. years at, like, I think it was 12, but he could get to 13, um, depending on incentives. So that's, you know, just you take it as baseline, it's $6 million a year. Um, you know, that's a lot of money for a second running back. I think it was a lot of money for a guy with Kareem's history. Now, you know, the Browns probably looked at it as like, hey, this guy's probably never – he's probably going to be as, on his best behavior as, he, as he's ever going to be. They had stuff in the contract that it could get out of, obviously, if he violated something. Um, so maybe the Browns felt like, hey, it was a bargain, right? Because he's a really good player, and he's probably worth more than $6 million. Yeah. The, the, the difference, the dynamic here is that Nick Chubb is getting paid like $14 million, right, or twelve point. It average it comes out to twelve point two, I think, a year, um, on his extension. So you just can't. It's it's awfully difficult for a team to pay two running backs big money, and I think the Browns staggered them, staggered the two deals where they were never paying both of them big money. But come next year, I just don't see a way um, that they feel like they can pay Kareem. You know, let's say he wants seven or eight million a year. I don't see how you can do that on top of what Nick Chubb is getting paid. Like, I feel like the Browns are always knew this would be Kareem's last year. And maybe Kareem just realized that, um, <laughs> you know, or, or maybe he's like, okay, I, it's, it's reality. Now let's see what I can do about it. Um, 
And if he went somewhere else, maybe he would be the number one back. So his stats would be bigger. So when he hit the free agent market, um, he hit, would have a better chance at a bigger contract. I mean, those are realities, mm-hmm. and I understand that thinking. Um, but I just don't think the Browns are going to cave. I don't think they should cave. And I think he's better off trying to put up as good a numbers as he can as the number two. And there will still be a market for him. But I don't think the market's going to be as big as he thinks it is because he's going to be – he just turned 27, so he'll be 28 next year. Um, he does have the off-field baggage that we talked about. And running backs aren't getting a ton of money, right? They just don't. So, you know, I think I think it's gonna I think it's a tough spot for him to be in financially. I mean, tough spot, six million dollars, right? But um, yeah. I, I think he's gonna be wind up being disappointed with whatever contract he winds up signing whenever he signs a new contract. Yeah, and in these days, NFL uh, lifespan is not as long as it used to be. The the shelf life, right? Oh, I, mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, look yeah. at the running backs that get paid, right? It's Chubb, McCaffrey, Henry, you know, Zeke. I mean, there's not a lot of guys to get paid big money, and the guy and the teams that pay them are usually the teams that are on, right? Because they've already proven themselves with that team. There's a lot of value. The fans want to see them there. You don't see a lot of running backs hit the free agent market and sign huge deals. It just uh, there's just you know yeah. you can find a Dearness Johnson, right? Like that's that's how free agents feel, or that's how teams feel about running backs. Yeah. Now, so some in the national media wonder if the Browns would even you know, hold on to him this year, you know, with right. drafting and running back right. and having right. him d- depth there. So, all right, let's move on here. Uh, let's put a wrap on this and talk about uh, the game yeah. uh, coming up. Uh, you know, we're taping this on Thursday, coming up on Friday night. Uh, number one, I-, I saw Stefanski said that they're going to be doing some team building things. What, what What's that all about? I don't know. I don't know if they're going bowling <laughs> or they're going to, you know, hit balls at, um, at a sog- TPC Sawgrass. But, you know, he feels like, okay, they're in Berea the whole time. There's not, they're not off site, right? Pittsburgh goes to Latrobe, teams go other places. So they're on site. He feels like this is a good time for um, some team building. So they went down yesterday. So they went down Wednesday. They'll come back either late Friday or Saturday. Um, so it's time for them to be together as a group. They're going to do some stuff around Jacksonville, whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably just also a way to break up. You know, training camp gets gets old, so that's a way to break it up. All right, what's your uh, – let's preview the game. I mean – I thought you asked me for a prediction. I'm like, Jesus, John, you can't ask me for a preseason prediction. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. no. No prediction. Just I, I guess how long do you how long do you think the starters will play and uh what are you looking for? What what are yeah. Pet Track's points on yeah. point with Pet Track? I mean I think it's I think it's two series, maybe three. Maybe if they score on the first series, it'll only be one. Um I do think the Watson factor plays into this that they probably that they want to get him some time. So whether that's two or three series, um remains to be seen. If you're playing him, you're probably playing a good chunk of your starting offensive line, maybe not everybody. Um, you know, I, I don't know if like a guy like Miles Garrett will play. You know, I think that's he, – he, they probably don't want to risk him getting hurt. I think Greg Newsom doesn't play because he left practice the other day. He stayed on the field, but he looked like he tweaked the hamstring. He was stretching and the trainers were stretching him, the athletic trainers. Um, but he never left the field. He never had it wrapped. But, I, you know, it doesn't make any sense to play him if he's dealing with anything at all. Um, you know, it's, it's all about Watson early. 
And then, you know, I think a lot of it, I think you want to see Jacoby Brissett, right? We talked about him a bunch earlier, but you want to see um, how he looks, even if he's playing with the second team, because you know that he's going to be the guy week one unless something drastic happens, whether it's, you know, Jimmy G. But even if they trade for Jimmy G or sign Jimmy G, I wouldn't think he'd be ready to go week one. Um, so you, you want to see how your week one start is going to look. You want to look at the other two guys, the other two quarterbacks, Dobbs and Rosen, um, see if one of them can be your backup week one. I, I don't see that. I see the Browns having to go find somebody else, um, whether it's Garoppolo or whoever it is. I, I don't think you can go into week one with Rosen and or Dobbs behind Brissett. It just doesn't feel deep enough to me. But maybe they blow you away in the preseason. Um, and I'm not going to talk about it, but I did write about Josh Rosen. I sat down with him, him the other day. I thought it was an interesting interview. You can find the story at brownzone.com. Um, and then I want to look at the returners, right? You can't tell anything about returners in training camp. There's just never full speed return drills, which makes sense. Guys get hurt, whatever. So that's what the preseason's for. So maybe somebody stands out. Maybe somebody wins a job by returning a kickoff or a punt. I do think that's worth watching. Um, backup tight end, we talked about a little bit with Stanton. Um, you know, you got Najoku and Harrison Bryant, and then it's a fall off. Well, somebody's going to have to be that third tight end and maybe even fourth tight end. Um, you know, Miller Forrestal, you know, does he do anything? This guy is undrafted guy, Zaire. Mitchell Payton has made two touchdown catches recently in camp. Um, maybe he continues it in the preseason. Um, and then the rookies, that's the last thing, is you want to see how the rookies look, the draft picks, right? How does Martin Emerson look at junior, look at corner? How does Alex Wright, the defensive end, does he get a sack, you know? Does he get any pressure on Trevor Lawrence? He might start. If Miles Garrett doesn't play, um, and Clowney might not play, um, maybe Alex Wright starts. Maybe he can get a sack of Trevor Lawrence and kind of give him some confidence. Uh, you know, David Bell, I don't know if he'll play the receiver because he had that foot injury to start camp. Um, but if he plays, how is he coming along? You know, so a lot about those rookies. Jerome Ford, the running back, he's looked good in training camp. Can he carry it over into the preseason? So, you know, is – Boring as some of these games can be, there is stuff to watch. And, you know, a lot about a lot of that for me will be once we get past Deshaun Watson and the quarterback, a lot of that will be the rookies. All right. We've waited a long time, but football is back and we are ready. Browns and Jags, Friday night, preseason, first game. Looking forward to it. And we'll talk more. We'll talk about that and more next week, I'm sure. Right, Scott? Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that. Hopefully, we'll have. Deshaun Watson resolution at some point. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, it could happen before Friday night. Uh, if it does, you know, maybe we got to rehuddle. Um, but, you know, that, I mean, that's hanging over everything. But that resolution will come at some point. We'll have the preseason game. And then we'll get joint practices with the Eagles. And those are always the best practices to watch, right? Because it's a lot of one on, you know, ones versus ones. Uh, you get this. You know, it's extended period of time. And then I don't think the starters are going to play at all in that preseason game against the Eagles. So, you know, they go hard during those two sessions. So there's a lot coming up here um, that we'll have to digest. And then it's today. I just looked at the laptop calendar, Chud. It says August 11th, which means the season opener in Carolina is one month from today. So things will get going downhill in a hurry here. Baker, Baker, Baker. I know. How about that? <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. Thanks, Chud. I appreciate this. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. 
You can read all my work at brownzone.com. And this has been another episode of the Zone Coverage Podcast. Thanks for listening.